Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Scooby and writer, Philip Ellis. Hi. Hi, Philip. How are it's you? So good to it's oh I'm great. It's so good to be back yet again. Yay. Yeah, and you wanna introduce our lovely guests that we have today? Absolutely, yes. So first we have a lovely YouTuber. Zach Garcia. Yay. Hi, Zach. And also joining us, we have a very special guest star of Big Brother Season 20. Angela Rockstar. Hi, Hi Angela. Hey. So good to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have both of you. I love having two first-time guests. doesn't often happen. Um, but uh, Angela, would you like to start us off with giving us your Buffy origin? So, uh I have watched Buffy, I do believe, as long as it's been on. I feel like that puts me at about age 12, <laughs> hitting puberty, seeing all the hot people, loving. I've always loved mythology. I really, I think that they were maybe a few years ahead of me. So I was going through high school when they were in high school, and they were out just a few years before I was out. Um, Buffy's been with me through pregnancies and much later than high school, um, and <laughs> through a car accident where I was immobile for eight months. Oh, I had, I had the VHS tapes. I have all the DVD collections. I am like a super, super fan. When I went into the big brother house, you have, you're like sequestered for a good amount of time and I brought my DVD collection of Buffy and Angel because I love Spike. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what is it? You only can bring like a few things and that was like one of the things you brought? Yes. They said you could bring books and you could bring movies. You could bring DVDs to watch on a little portable DVD player. There's no, you don't have access to anything, no phone, no TV. Right remove it from your room all of that so i was like i'm definitely bringing my buffy and angel <laughs> no question <laughs> that is a good choice angela <laughs> also angela thank you for not making me feel old because so many times and i'm sure zach is gonna have a story like this people will be like well i was two when buffy aired and <laughs> and i get like a nosebleed because yeah i graduated high school two years after buffy so yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, was that 2001? Yeah. I think? Yep, me too. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, Zach, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? <laughs> so, I started watching Buffy when I was seven. Fuck uh, <laughs> 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 you. <laughs> so, we were, we were stationed in Germany, and so I think we got all of the episodes late. Um, okay. And so when I was doing season five, I think y'all were going into season six. Uh, so that was when I first started watching it. And I like vaguely remember watching it. I remember watching probably not even in order, just, you know, episodes here, there and everywhere. And then they would play episodes from season three, like intermittently. Um, and All then, right. ah, yeah, I'll, you know, I love Buffy. I've always loved Buffy. It's just been like, as soon as I started watching, it couldn't stop. And so for every birthday, um, I would like with my birthday money, I would save it up and I'd get like one of the season DVD box sets. And so every birthday I'd get one of those. And then like the season six and seven, I got those at the same time, but like, I never really had anybody to talk to about it. And we didn't have, you know, podcasts and all that. Right. This is really cool for me. And my husband, <laughs> when I met him, uh, we met online. And so, you know, it's a little bit awkward. There's not, you don't really know where you're supposed to start talking, what you're supposed to talk talking about. Right. And within like, first couple messages he brought up joss whedon and stuff i'm like well I, I guarantee he watches buffy so he started talking about buffy and then that was that and so he was like one of the first people i ever uh got to really talk about buffy with and now here i am with you lovely people <laughs> that's really cute um i feel like i don't know if you all have done this too like anyone i mean different for you zach because your husband did watch buffy but like yeah. anytime i've dated someone who hasn't it's like oh well then we're going through buffy and then i make them watch all of it <laughs> Uh, has your have you gotten your husband or your fiance to watch Angela? Oh, he's he's very well versed in Buffy. <laughs> he said that he used to watch it with all the lesbian cheerleaders in his high school. And I was like, that's really hot. 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I like I started watching because of my mom, and we had one of the writers from the show on, and I mentioned that to her, and she was like, "Oh God, is the show that old?" I was like, "No, no, no, no." My mom was like, "Definitely not the demographic." I was a teen. She just happened to get into it by chance, well, and then I got into it that way. I tried to get my parents into it so much, like my parents, my brother and sister, everybody, anybody who would sit down with me for an hour. I tried <laughs> very, very. <hard. laughs> <laughs> yeah my dad always like would roll his eyes at me and my mom and be like oh you're watching that show I'd be like, shut up it's so good go away <laughs> um yeah so we're here to discuss the season six episode gone um philip would you like to start us off uh sure yeah so we open on the loveliest most beautifully arranged wiccan influencer pinterest page and then <laughs> buffy shoves it all in the bin because we are going through magical detox yes. um, so it's a continuation of this addiction storyline that's been going on for a couple of weeks and they are really it's it's they are they are not being subtle with it they are you know it's like willow is in the corner shaking like a tweaker and Buffy is saying that candles are like witch bongs and it's it's so funny and it's so silly because the the, the metaphor is is stretched so so thin i i do feel this opening like before they've been trying to be like slightly subtle about the metaphor but like ramping it up and this it's like there's not even subtext she yeah. says oh a candle is you know like a bond for a witch and it's like oh my god <laughs> and, and then it's like uh, 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 willow says oh and uh, and there are some crystals in that peacock statue yeah. it's like, oh my, my secret stash and it, it, it it's it's um it's a lot <laughs> and especially later on when when they when she says oh no it's it's not weed it's magic weed it's like oh, oh okay okay I, I i feel like anyone would would see a sage stick and like no it's not marijuana but okay <laughs> yeah. i i also call it magic weed <laughs> <laughs> puts me in a lovely trance yeah I, um, well, I'm actually a practicing pagan also since I was 12. So it's always been funny to watch, uh, Willow and her Wicca and, and it was a lovely spread and it kind of hurt my heart for it to go in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Does the, the witch, the witch bong, um, candle reference always makes me laugh that's um, not, not the first time i've seen this episode and it always makes me laugh because it's very relatable <laughs> <laughs> does this does this come off a little like problematic for you or is it just like eh, it's no, like no i think all of buffy is really tongue-in-cheek yeah i don't take life too seriously in general um that's how i remain so good humored about it all <laughs> it, it never it never offended me it was always like okay well this is you know the hollywood magic version of things that we actually believe in and practice and i always think they did a pretty good job of of not being offensive with it okay so, cool cool I, i've always felt that way and as a witchy person i think that's <laughs> one <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because not only do they continue with that but then it's like you know uh her and dawn go downstairs yeah. and i kind of understand like if i were a kid i'd be a little upset it's like oh but mom just died and we have to get rid of her stuff because yeah. like right i could see that being a little like upsetting just jumping in watching it before I was like, I was always so for this this friendship that you know the Scoobies have, and Buffy's helping her friend to do this. She's like taking on not only the motherly role to Dawn, but to Willow too, and saying, "Okay, we're going to get you through this." But now, like watching it, you know, a little bit more grown, I, I think about it, and um, I still love the friendship between them all. But I'm thinking, you know. Buffy really wasn't equipped. You think about her age; she was probably twenty, twenty-one. There, um, she right. really wasn't equipped to be the mom for Dawn, let alone for everybody. She was really good right. at being a superhero, saving the world, but she wasn't so equipped to be, you know, this guardian for Dawn. And when you think about it, she should have asked. I, I don't want to say she should have because I like the decision she made, but. In like the real world, wouldn't it be a better decision to ask Willow to or help put Willow somewhere else to keep Dawn safe? Because Willow did just injure Dawn. Dawn was put in like this really dangerous situation because of Willow. And so if Willow's gonna be like, you know, sort of rehabbing and detoxing, is is you know, the Summer's house the best place for that where Dawn's at? Um and so like, you know, my adult mind is like going back and forth with, you know, what I used to think, you know, back, you know, 
17, 18, 19, 20. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to think. You know, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. I think, I mean, I think that's a very good point. And when you take it for the metaphor of what it is, is your home the best place to like put a heroin addict that yeah, you're trying right. to have recover around your kids or, you know, someone that you knows really has kind of a, a loss of control to their addiction. I think, I think that's a valid point. And I hadn't really considered that as a person that believes in magic and is always kind of saddened when she goes through this, like (laughs) (laughs) of like tipping the scales and not having balance and, and being completely out of control with it. So that's interesting. I I may even rewatch it again. (laughs) I I kind of agree. I, I, so I, I, uh, I rewatched the episode this morning. Last night, I started watching Euphoria, which has a lot of very similar themes in terms of like how uh, a parent deals with a, a drug addict in the house who has a much younger, when there's a much younger vulnerable person in the house. And there was a lot more like, you know, tough love. And I don't know if there's a Wiccan version of like urine testing that Buffy could have enforced maybe. But it did feel <laughs> like after after the episode last week ended with, um, you know, Dawn slapping Willow and Buffy really not letting her off the hook, they do kind of go a bit soft on her. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree that, yeah, this this is someone who is incredibly, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's addicted, but also the thing she's addicted to is incredibly powerful and makes her dangerous um, yeah. and, and ultimately will turn her into a supervillain, you know, later in the season. And yeah, right. it, it's kind of, I think maybe the, the, it hadn't even occurred to me before, but maybe they just couldn't afford the extra set to put Willow for the season. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. And you know, it's not, it's not to say, you know, go and abandon Willow, like but Willow needs right. to open. They're her friends. Um, I don't know. Cause I kind of, cause I've n- I'm not a parent. I don't know. So I, I can't really put myself in those shoes exactly, but I try. And when I try to think about it, I'm like, yeah, in terms of a drug addict, um, you help your friend, you get your friend through it, but you also have to look out for your baby sister who doesn't have her mother anymore. And right. not, not to get too far ahead, but that's kind of what the social worker sees, right? It's this yeah. really kind of chaotic household where, um, you know, there's there's all different people, you know, staying and it's not this kind of stable family unit and it's not a particularly safe environment for Dawn. And even though we're meant to really sympathize with Buffy, it's kind of, not difficult to see the conclusions that Doris draws in that home mm-hmm. visit. They go into the kitchen. Spike uh, comes running in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's gone for a stroll in the middle of the day because of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I did love his excuse. He's like, oh, my light has gone missing. I'm looking for it. And it's like, we've all been that kind of love struck idiot who comes with any excuse to see someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I like that also he was right. Like, he it was like a stupid excuse, but like we just saw Buffy find it in the couch. Um, which also was part of that ham-fisted metaphor, right? Because it's like Buffy's saying out loud what she's doing to Dawn when she's like, sometimes you just can't help yourself and blah, blah. And then she sees the lighter and it's like, oh, yep. Yeah. They're both oh, doing yeah. things. <laughs> they, they really are insisting on pulling out the the sort of the toxic relationship with Spike and the addiction storyline and putting them next to each other as if they're the same. Yeah, it's it is okay. So this is an issue I have this season with the Scoobies in general. Is like we every time we cut to Anya and Xander, they're doing like silly wedding things for like this whole middle of the season, yeah. and they don't. <laughs> They're so absorbed with the wedding. It's like, but your your best friend Buffy is like near suicidal after you brought her back from the dead, and your other friend has this addiction issue, and you're all kind of like, tee hee ha ha, our wedding about it, and like not just them. I think everybody's sort of all of the Scoobies are sort of fragmented because nobody's really seeing what's going on with Willow as as it's happening to Willow, and then nobody's seeing. Right. What- on to Buffy as it's happening with Buffy and then Xander and Anya like you said are in their own little wedding world so everybody's just kind of fragmented until they're until it already hits you know it hits rock bottom and they're forced to see what's before them right and even like Giles leaving like I've discussed this in almost every episode but it it feels very un Giles like for him to have left but then I, I if Giles had been present in the season this episode wouldn't happen because yeah the whole point is they are all just completely in free fall. There is no adult safety net. They don't have someone telling them what to do, which is why they're all making such terrible decisions. Yeah. I, love that. I love that description you just did, free fall. That perfectly sums up season six. It's all free fall. Yeah. 
which is why I think it's like it's probably less well structured than some of the other seasons, and that's what one of the complaints I think some people have is it's not as fun to watch because it's much more like watching a kind of you know really a dark kind of you know nighttime soap or or something. It's not the you've still got you know I mean I mean and this episode has there are some really fun campy moments, but a lot of it is just kind of a slog because it's just yeah. like it's like a precursor to you know all those uh, sort of you know shows about what it's like to be a millennial and and and, and it, yeah it's 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 basically the grown-ups all go away and the 21 year olds are left in charge and it's it's an absolute disaster but of course it's going to be yeah right i mean i can't imagine i i mean i don't know how to own a house right now at 36 i can't imagine at 19 being like oh here's your house pay all the bills and keep everything up especially waking up from the dead and getting all of these bills like what was that yeah. was like the third episode that she got all those and it's like, she's been back to life for two days, maybe <laughs> give her a break. <laughs> right? Because like all of that is like, as a like human, we can all be like, yeah, she's depressed. But it's like also her depression is even different because she was dead and came back to like that adds a whole another level that like, I don't, I don't know how I would react to that. <laughs> and like her freeloading drug addict friend, like isn't even paying rent for all we know. How many people stay in the summer's house and actually pay rent? I know. <laughs> I know. When, and she makes that joke with Amy when she was like, you should stay here. Everyone else does. And like, they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, well, they're, just, they're, just, they're just gearing up for season seven when they open up a hostel for potential stayers. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, so then we get Xander walking into the kitchen as Spike is ahem, fingering Buffy in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> and he's so like dense like i was like but they don't even move until she like slaps him but like his hand is there like very oh, obviously i i have here in my notes enter xander the most clueless jerk of all time <laughs> and he is a clueless jerk like several times in this episode oh god i know <laughs> So half of me is like, I almost feel a tinge of guilt because like I would feel really stupid if the guy I thought we all hated, like my best friend was actually like secretly sleeping with and like had feelings for. I know I would feel like kind of an asshole, right? It's like, oh, but I made fun of them so much and you didn't tell me to stop. But also like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's how I feel about Xander. It's like, every, every it, it's that all the, like you said, all the Scoobies are in free fall. No one notices, like they don't notice Willow has a problem till she almost kills Dawn, right? And that's when they're like, oh, now there's something going wrong. But like, but also, yeah, with Buffy, I understand why she doesn't realize because she also has her own shit going on. But Buffy even says that at the beginning when, when Willow says, well, I understand why Dawn's angry at me, but why is she angry at you? And Buffy like explicitly says like, you were my best friend and I didn't notice that you were drowning. And she says it, so it, she makes it text, and then they all just carry on completely ignoring each other's problems, even after yeah. she's just said that. It's, it's. I, I do feel I have to just, sorry, um, to draw. I have to draw attention to the elephant in the room, and that is the Daphne from Scooby Doo wig she's wearing. Oh, I know. Oh, I really noticed it today too. I was thinking. I was thinking. What did she cut her hair for? Because there must have been a movie she cut her hair for. And the closest one that lines up to this episode of Scooby Doo, I'm like, well, that's. It's like the same damn wig right there. Yeah, it is. It's season two of Drag Race realness. I, I, I love it and hate it in equal measure. <laughs> yeah, I. It's because I wondered if in the beginning of season six, when her hair is all like a mess, yeah. I kind of thought like, oh, did she just color her hair and they made it messy? But I feel like. Did she wear a wig in those first two episodes and then suddenly have another wig? Because she wasn't wearing a wig before this. It was her real hair, like in other episodes, I think, between the season premiere and this. And then suddenly, like that wig looks, yeah, it looks like a wig. It looks like a wig. And then when she has her hair up, like um, pulled back, I think that's probably her real hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I did remember. <laughs> Angela, explain to us how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I I like the wig I like the style <laughs> I, thought she, I thought she looked really cute and uh, I was like that's a good look for her and I remembered that she cut her hair so I just assumed you know when they do TV stuff they they may or may not have shot shot some scenes before other scenes as well so right. it's like you they kind of have to for continuity have a wig on standby. That's kind of what I, yeah, that's what I figured it might be. And she had the Daphne wig on standby. <laughs> yes, she did. 
Everyone should have their own Daphne wig on standby. Um, so, but before she cuts her hair, um, the social services woman shows up and right. It's like, I feel like they make her a little cartoonishly mean, but also like it kind of makes sense that she would think Dawn isn't in the best care. That's definitely, definitely something that watching it again now I related to her way more than when I watched it when I, even the last time I watched it probably mm-hmm. in the hotel room like I I was still just kind of like I just didn't like how hard she was like look at this young woman she's right. doing everything she can like chill out a bit maybe give her some resources or something instead of just right cracking down on her and saying it's not the best environment although she's right she's not wrong <laughs> right it's like i don't want to side with this woman but <laughs> and i think i do think i do think the way they made her come off was a little bit cartoonish like you said like just every with every little glance she gives and every little like judgmental look it it, it looks a little bit over the top whereas it there was a moment like when she's about to leave um and she says she turns back and she's like well uh, you know what everything i'm doing is in Dawn's best interest, you know, and that was more of a realistic line that she could have given that maybe, I don't know, I don't know if it was directing, if it was just her acting, but I feel like the character could have been more like that rather than cartoonish, because then it's sort of hard to see her side of everything, like the outsider looking in. I think yeah. perhaps also it's a case of TV writers not really understanding how things work in real life. Uh, the most, I mean, you know, this is an episode where we have uh, a, a vampire slayer turning invisible, and I still think the most fantastical far-fetched thing was a social worker spending more than thirty seconds on a home visit. Um, you know, as if as if social workers are not famously overworked and under-resourced. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It- because she says, doesn't she say like, oh, we've been monitoring you, but this is like the first time we really know about it. Well, but uh, so, right. I mean, does that mean that uh, there were social workers interacting with the Buffy bot in between season five and six? Because I want to see that. Oh. Because <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, there's, there was the subplot in season five that after Joyce died um, and Dawn was, was skiving off school, and they said, like, if you can't make her go to school, then she'll be taken away from you. And so... Yeah, I, uh, you have to kind of assume that after Buffy dies, one of the things they contend with is convincing social services that Buffy is still alive to be a guardian. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 a throwaway line might have been nice just to clarify that this has been going on for some time and now the stakes are all of a sudden. This is why they're so high right now, because this has been building in the background. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I mean, I always say that this season could have... Uh benefited from a little bit more of watching the Buffy bot and Dawn have to like slip slide through pretending she's the real Buffy. I would have liked more of that. Um, Yeah. So then Spike, I mean, Spike tries to help Buffy with the social worker, doesn't really do a good job. Um, And hanging at my crypt. Crypt. I was like, oh, come on, Spike. You were so close to helping. <laughs> but then when Buffy says, oh, no, he said crib, you know, these kids today and they're bugging street slang. Like that, James Masters is like 10 years older than you. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the character is like 150. Like, who is a kid in this room? <laughs> yeah. Who is the kid? <laughs> um, yeah. So then we get the like. Okay. So, Angela, I think you also love Spike, right? That's what you said earlier. Yeah. Spike is my favorite, and to this day, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know how I would. I don't care if James Marsters is like you know 150. I think he could still get it. In my and <laughs> we would find some Viagra. We would make it. <laughs> Angela, you fit perfectly in this very gay podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um let me tell you that man is i interviewed him at a con that i went to in june and that man is still looking good and he makes like direct eye contact when he talks to you and i was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> yes so i always try to be a little fair because talking about spike right there's like a lot of problems there like yeah. i feel like yeah like i love spike but also i know he's a problem but i still love him um right but here, I think we get to see how both of them were really toxic with each other. Because, right, he's literally saying, like, oh, do you need me to be here for you? 
And she's like, get out of my house. I don't want to look at you. Right. Oh, yeah. Spike is actually, like, in the right more than Buffy is this episode. Yeah. Right? Because, like, she... She's so mean to him, and he, for him, he's like, I, I mean, clearly to her, it's more we fuck and then we don't need to speak. But to him, it's like we fuck, but then can't we cuddle? Is how I think Spike looks at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> she, she, you know, is all into it, and she lets her, she lets herself get into it, and then as soon as it's done, she's like feels disgusted with herself, and she wants to get yeah. out of there. So that's super toxic to him, and that's that's not fair to him. Yeah, and, and like. I mean, not to say he's always in the right, but yeah, like here it feels like I appreciate that we at least get, we see both of them being toxic with each other. It's not like a one-way street of toxicity, so to speak, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think Spike is probably the most sympathetic here um, as he is all season. And and especially later on when she's invisible and he kind of outwardly says like, you know, you're just using me and that's not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And he's right, yeah. Um... So she kicks him out. He gets his <clears throat> lighter out of her pocket. <laughs> that scene was burned into my memory when I watched it the first time. And when I was rewatching the episode this morning, I was like, oh my God, it's that scene. It's the, it's the fingering lighter scene. <laughs> it just struck me as, as a teenager watching it. It was just the dirtiest thing I'd ever seen on this like fairly, you know, oh, yeah. tame show. Even more, even more than the house being fucked all the way down. This was like so intimate, and it was like right there. I, I mean, I was gonna say once they fucked the house down, it was like, well, now anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> the season of fingering. <laughs> well, when they wake up, when the house is like falling down around them, that's like when she's like, "I'm gonna go," and he's like, "Are you?" And he, that's what he does. I wonder. I always wonder how like. Because, right, they had both, I mean, he'd been on the show since season two, and I wonder how for the two of them that was, like, a big change in acting, right? Because, no, like, when Angel and Buffy had sex, it'd be like, you see some bare arms, and, like, people look happy, and, you know, it's not, like, no one's riding anyone, and no one's, like, doing anything like that. (laughs) It was also, it was leading to it. So, season five, it was leading that direction. Even, like, there was even, like, a little bit of, like, tension there in season two, um, so we, they, the actors probably knew it was leading to that, but then when they got to it and they're reading exactly how right. it's going to go, <laughs> it's more aggressive and intense than I thought it was going to be, but. It's like, oh, we are literally fucking a house down. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I love watching the show from the beginning, knowing that that's where it's going. Because it's like mm-hmm. in season two, it's just like, oh girl, you have no idea. You are going to get dicked down so hard. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was me. <laughs> I know. I'm jealous. I, was, I said that in our episode that like this totally ruined sex for me for the rest of my life. I'm like, you mean I can't do that? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, uh, we we go to the trio. Yes. And we learn that the reason they stole the diamond is uh, to use in their invisibility ray. And... Um, so that we have like a silly scene where he turns the, the chair invisible and, and right. Jonathan is, is spinning around on it in very 2002 special effects. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think, do we immediately then go to them going to, to use it? Oh, so oh no, then Buffy goes and cuts her hair because right. Spike was like running his hands through her hair and calling her Goldilocks. Right. Uh, even though that, that wig is much more ginger than it is blonde. Um, Agreed. And, yeah. and so she, then she goes and she has that real like rec- requiem for a dream moment in the mirror where she cuts her hair and then the, it's the stinger of uh of the, the, the poor woman at the salon being like I, I think I can work with this like what do you want um and then so then we have the trio arriving and okay so I, I think I'd completely forgotten this or just wiped it from my brain but they're using the invisibility ray on themselves to go and watch women get waxed it's a women's like wax it's like a it's like a, a waxing place and it's like and we're still supposed God. to see jonathan and andrew as less rapey than warren i know they're i feel like they were they were i mean clearly written on purpose to be like terrible like straight dudes but like now they're like even worse than i think they were meant to be because yeah it makes 
it's a lot harder being sympathetic to Jonathan and Andrew. And I think back when I watched it, it was always like, oh, but they're the nice ones. And it's like watching it now, it's like, oh, but they're going along with all this shit. Ugh. Like, even if one is, you know, coded as gay the whole time, it's... If it was written today, they would have they would have toned that down for them. They wouldn't have been, like, making themselves invisible to go look at uh, right. women getting their legs waxed. They would have, like, I don't know, been doing some, some nerd shit. And Warren would have been the one to go and do some rapey yeah. shit. Right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. They they they'd be like robbing a comic book store or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even. I didn't even realize that this time around, Phyllis, Philip. Honestly, like. <laughs> um, but I also love that I didn't realize. I forget this every time I watch a season six episode for the podcast. Buffy and the gang still like. Aside from Spike, none of them have any idea that the trio exists. Like, still at this mm-hmm. point, um, not till the end of the episode, right? Does she actually? when they do the nemesis thing, um, does she actually be like, Oh, these are guys that exist, which is kind of funny. I also love that it's them fighting. And then Buffy's like, oops, there's Buffy. Oops. She got hit with the ray and she's invisible. (laughs) Uh, so then Buffy herself is like very not pressed about becoming invisible. Right. Well, I mean, she, she got what she wanted. She's kind of just completely like free from the pressure of being her. But yeah, but you're you're right. It kind of like it happens instantly just so that they can get this great comedy scene with um yeah. with Anya and Xander. Xander. It it felt like a kind of vintage like season 2 or 3 scene with like all of the floating props and the bad puns. I really yeah. liked it. Well, I love that that scene opens with Xander saying, "Where's Buffy? She's gone." I was like, "Uh, that's the, the title." It's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do like that scene. I actually, as much as I was giving them shit, I do appreciate watching Xander and Anya stress about their wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, in the previous episode when they're doing demon research, we find out Anya has like the bridal magazine open. And I like watching them. She's like, well, where are we going to put the Hoffren? I mean, he's my boss. I'm my former boss. I have to invite him. Which is a nice bit of foreshadowing because if, you know, de Hoffren being at the wedding is kind of a big deal later on. <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing... Uh, Anya, she's trying to do traditional bride things, but also she's like still an ex-demon. So like, you know, in the episode before this, when she says she's trying to decide between traditional bridesmaids outfit and like the blood larva outfits of like the demons, like I kind of really like those two mixed together. And like, you know, her talking about her former boss, but actually her former boss is this like, you know, evil demon, but she's still like, oh no, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I got to invite him. Going back and watching these things, I always, my heart always just breaks for Anya every time I see her in these moments. You know, you see her really into it and he's like half there. He never, so he loved her wholeheartedly, but he never fully accepted who she was. Um, like the whole De Hoffren thing, like you know, he didn't really want De Hoffren there, even though De Hoffren was really important to her, um, right? And so you just see that you see like these little things here and there and everywhere, and you're just realizing like you know you see what's going to happen to her, and it's just sad to me, you know. I so I <laughs> on this podcast we've had a lot of people that don't like Xander. I defend Xander almost all the time <laughs> until he leaves Anya at the altar because for me that's like completely unforgivable. <laughs> Yeah, I it's like poor Anya because I Anya's my it's like Anya and Cordelia to me are two of the best characters oh, yeah. and they both kind of end up like getting the shitty end of the stick with endings. Mm-hmm. And like Anya, I get it. You know, one of the other guys that co-hosts with me sometimes, Anthony Oliveira, said that like Anya's whole storyline was learning about to live so she could die. So like I get it for that, but it still like hurts. I'm like, can't she at least have like gotten married first and like been happy? Instead, she gets left at the altar, and then the following year gets like cut in half, and it's like, oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah, but is is it is it anyone's happy ending to end up married to Xander? <laughs> no, Listen, not. she she got out. She got out. <laughs> if that's who she likes, I support her decision. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> Angela, what's your opinion on Xander? <laughs> <laughs> Xander is a whole goofy mess. <laughs> He always has been. He remains that. It's it's his very core being. But I mean, I think that Anya, you know, she she loves that about him, and and then really doesn't. And <laughs> I mean, he's a goof. Like he's a total goof in in all ways possible. I just I've never taken Xander that seriously. Yeah, I I really never. I still really don't. I think he's a good friend. Um, yeah. But 
as a as a partner i don't know that that would be yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't there they still would have saved the world seven seasons <laughs> <laughs> so so then she leaves the magic box completely like eh, whatever i'm invisible i'm gonna go for a walk i mean granted she like you know she knows she's like oh i'm gonna go fuck spike that's what i'm gonna go do yeah. um does something happen between them, Philip? I forget. Uh, yes. So, um, so we have a scene where Willow is researching the diamond, and Xander oh, right. comes around, and he's immediately assumed that uh, Willow has turned Buffy invisible. And I, that was part of the addiction story, and that kind of did work for me. It's like when you're the fuck up of the group or of the family, you are the first one people look to when things start going wrong. He he says, you know, blim blizzable, like. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that all the time. It like rhymes with blim visible. It's just such a stupid <laughs> thing, and I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like I I yeah, like I'm kind of annoyed that Xander immediately jumped to that. I feel like he needed. I was glad he won alone because right with Anya there, it would have made it 10 times worse, especially with Anya and Willow's relationship. But I felt like I was like, oh, come on, just like question her better. Be better at questioning her here because she's going through so much shit. And this one time it wasn't actually her. But like you said, Philip, it's like, oh, but she's consistently fucked up spells even very recently. So it's not that crazy that he would be like, oh, did you do this thing? And and she's just there, like, milking that addiction metaphor. She's, like, drinking this water as if, you know, being withdrawn from magic is dehydrating her somehow. It's it's so funny. <laughs> so then we go to Buffy walking through the park, having her little spree of mischief, which I, I love just, like, saving the woman from the studded cap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And stealing the stealing the traffic warden's little card. It's like I feel like basically she being invisible turns Buffy into Faith. I love it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> like like when she goes to the social services office to um to fuck with Doris. It feels like is this the first time she's ever used um like supernatural circumstances for personal gain? I think so. I yeah. feel like it's very unBuffy. It's well, I think it's sh- it's showing like she it's, it's it's a sign that this season and in this episode in particular she's kind of just off the deep end and like trying yeah. to escape herself um right. like even though she could like she could justify it by saying oh no i'm trying to keep dawn at home or whatever it's like it's very she's flouting a lot of uh laws and responsibilities there but I, that's kind of why i love buffy in this episode she's just like zero fucks are given yeah i it's fun to watch it feels unbuffy and i hadn't even thought about that that it's kind of faith of her but I do, I do appreciate it. Also, like she had a rough year. Let her have some fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Although it's when she kind of frames Doris as being crazy, it's a very uh, two thousand two attitude to mental health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like teehee, she lost her job. <laughs> Ooh, kill, kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what? Ha- what happens to Doris after this episode? She's going to have this thing on her professional record, like for now, saying she's like mentally ill. <laughs> No play made Doris again. <laughs> <laughs> so then she goes to see Spike, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And she says, I told you to try. Well, I told you to stop trying to see me. See me. Yeah. And she rips his shirt open and pins him against the wall. And my man Spike looks so good. Oh, God, he does. Oh, God. When, when we had him on, he actually said that when Riley was leaving, that's when Joss told him, like, oh, you are going to get involved, like Spike's going to get involved with Buffy. He said that he made sure that Joss gave him enough time before he ever had to be shirtless again so that he could, he was like, I worked out a lot to look the way I looked in that season. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Wow. And like, it shows, man looks good. So good. <laughs> I Like, I remember watching this and being like, oh, when like his shirt rips open, he's against the wall. Like I remember like 19 or 20 year old me being like, Ooh. <laughs> and especially in season six, because it's like, he's got like the, the sort of um, dirt bag, like chain oh, yeah. uh, around his neck and like the bracelets. And he's wearing like the, the darker shirt. And it's just like, that is peak spike. And it's, he's more cut than angel ever was. Oh yeah. And it's, it's just, <laughs> Oh, 
Yeah. Um, I've lost my train of thought. (laughs) Zach, what do you feel about the way Spike looks? (laughs) I thought he looked very, very good. Spike, okay, so unpopular. Uh, Um, I love Spike. I love Spike, and I love James Marsters and anything he's in. But Spike was not my favorite. So anytime I saw him get shirtless and stuff, I'm like, "Mm," you know, okay. But there was Riley. There was Angel. What? Yeah, yeah. I I had to think for them a lot more than I did for Spike. Oh no! Wow. Get off this podcast. <laughs> it's okay. We're this podcast is a very broad church. We're allowed to have yes. Riley and Angel apologists. They have their points. <laughs> you know, some points were made. Yeah, I mean, his body's a lot better than mine. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Zach. I see your Instagram photos. <laughs> but I actually, it's funny. Um, Emily Nussbaum, who's on, and she has a Pulitzer. She loves Riley. So, Zach, don't feel she's I she thinks he's great. Riley and I. Al- my husband hates Riley, but I loved him, and I was heartbroken when he left, and it's awful. Absolutely awful. <laughs> well, so I always – my my thing with Riley is, uh, which Adam Sass said, I think, in the last episode, that like how Buffy was really just didn't do well in relationships often, yeah. and with Riley, she would forget he existed. Yeah. So like that's why they were kind of doomed. Like once they got in a comfy spot, it was like she would forget he even existed in Sunnydale. Exactly. He wasn't. He wasn't ever good for her. It was always going to end in flames. But all of her relationships were always going to end in flames. I feel like Buffy's soulmate was her her Scooby Gang. She ne- she was never going to end up with anybody. I didn't ever feel like she was going to end up with anybody. I always felt like it was her, and she was going to. She had these different guys for these different points in her life. Um, and then if the show would have continued, it would have, I feel like it would have continued like that. I don't see her becoming a mother. I don't see her getting married. Um, I don't know. That's just where I sort of, I've always stood on it. And I think Spike was great for, you know, to see her through to the end of the series. Huh. I, I love that. And I, I kind of agree with you, Zach, that she, like the, the, the most important relationships in her life are with her friends and with her sister more than with a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel like Spike is included in that, um, and Angel was included in that. But any singular man as her, like the love of her life, I don't, I don't see that being there. Hmm. No, I think that's valid. I think like le- way later on a whole different show when <laughs> on Angel when they have her <laughs> pairing up with the Immortal, right? Oh, oh. are both like, uh, you know, uh, a dark sexy man that teeters between dark and light and i mean that's she would never like that or something like i mean it, it, it totally makes sense that she i i agree i don't think there's one person for buffy i think that she has different people for different phases my favorite phase was spike um. <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious what you thought angela then about because i actually do so clearly season six ends with uh, their relationship not being uh, great. Uh, but season seven spike with a soul because like we have to buy in the world of the show that he didn't have a soul and then he did. So like, and we have to buy like because of the rules of the show, that's just how that works. Then you're like, quote unquote, more human or whatever. I liked him in season seven. Like season seven was what sold me on her and him as like the couple that I liked. Like if I had to pick one for her, I liked them together in season seven the best. I liked her and Angel. I don't dislike Angel, but I like her and Angel better as people who like, oh, we were in love, we have feelings, but now we're like co-workers who care about each other. Right. Well, you because, know? I mean, isn't that the ultimate sacrifice? I mean, Angel was cursed with a soul and Spike went after one for love. Like that, right. to put yourself through that immense amount of torture when you're already evil. Mm-hmm. And- right still feel the pull of love to to go crazy and like i mean to to go through all of that that was true that was real there yeah. was nothing that she i mean that's how i feel about it like, definitely yeah. and when i say like I, I like riley and angel and all that but i'm picking guys for me that's <laughs> 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 like i still stand with she had these guys for different phases in her life and her and spike's moment at the very last episode of season seven could not have been done between any other two people. It was always those two for that moment. And 
Yeah, like I, I think he was perfect to see her through to the end. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> okay, so while Ian cries, I'm gonna get the get the episode back on track. Um, <laughs> oh right. <laughs> so so then we uh, we have Xander catching up with Willow while she's doing her CSI Sunnydale work. Um, yes, and it kind of made me miss like season two when they used to play detective and she would hack into the coroner's office. Um, right. So she's she's out there like investigating and and they figure out uh, they they find the the invisible traffic cone and um, then he and and then they realize that it's the the black van that's been showing up all season that's connected to it um, and so so Willows kind of carries on investigating that Xander and Anya are then looking into that in the magic shop and they realize that the traffic cone is melting. Also, I wanted to. Um... I meant to Google this. What the fuck do they... Why does no one call it a traffic cone and they call it a pylon? That's not like a common word, right? A pylon is a different thing altogether. Like a, a pylon is um, like, a, like a, a tower, right? I'm going to Google it right now. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 my, one of my best friends is an engineer. I don't know things. I, I'm, oh, yeah. It says a pylon is a tower used for carrying power lines. Okay, yes. Willow. Yes, yes. <laughs> good job I thought, Willow. Well, well, I thought I thought she was smart but I like that they all use that word like even when Anya's like she puts her hand on it and it melts she's like oh the pylon and he's like oh the pylon and I'm like everyone's using this word and I don't think they know what it means <laughs> she started started that word. Yeah. <laughs> although to be fair that would be me on this podcast one of you use like a big word I don't know and then I just continue yeah. using it and then we're all using it wrong <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I think, and I think because like Buffy and Xander you know bless them they have their good points but they're kind of dum-dums and, and Willow they're like oh Willow use this word so it must be right <laughs> that's fair yeah <laughs> philip that would be me with anthony on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's me that's me with anthony too um so so then uh we go to andrew and jonathan and warren and they're finally starting to realize that like warren is not here to play he is on another level to them they are right. juvenile kind of you know delinquent just wreaking mischief and he is hardcore like incel like he right. you know in another if, if the show were, if, if this story were being told right now he would be taking a assault rifle into a school mm-hmm. right yes right. yes and so and so yeah so so that that's just like sowing some seeds for later in the season that warren is the one to watch out for then we right. go back to um the crypt and xander interrupts oh, like quote-unquote exercising <laughs> naked in bed <laughs> on top of an invisible buffy and oh my my can we just say again? He looks so good <laughs> in nothing but a sheet. In nothing but a sheet. <laughs> I also can't believe they like that. Feels also dirtier because it's like holy, like Buffy's still like, yeah, we're gonna do this, even though her best friend is like right there. <laughs> but it's great because like the the whole thing of you know having this on the WB or the UPN or whatever it was. It, there's there's not a woman in that scene. It's just a guy right. under a sheet. Like technically, there is no Buffy in that scene, and so it, he is just like doing naked push-ups and it's great it's like yeah no like what are you talking about he's just exercising <laughs> um, i would like to do push-ups with spike as well <laughs> i will i will i will be his bench <laughs> so, and, and so then we have that that great line of you know oh you know all, all jokes aside spike get a girlfriend um God, <laughs> and and and, and He's that, so like, clueless. And Buffy is literally nibbling on his ear, and I just I love. I, I, so funny seeing his little earlobe just move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I for me that's that felt, and I guess it was because she was invisible, right? It was like, uh, but if that felt really unBuffy, like because she was so Buffy, we knew was kind of prude about sex, especially if it was like. In, in like talking about it with other people understandably so because the first time she had sex uh her boyfriend went evil and killed everyone um so maybe i'd be a little weird about sex too but that felt very unbuffy that she would not even if she was invisible that she would just be like yep i'm still gonna like do this even though xander's in the room and it's like a xander of all her friends as well and she yes. is naked she's right. naked <laughs> but okay, <Angela>. so, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, Xander says he's looking for Buffy, and then he leaves. And then they have this great conversation where Buffy is like, "I am fine. This is great." And Spike's 
setting healthy boundaries for maybe the only time right the show. <laughs> <laughs> well he's trying to but well he's he's trying to while she's also nibbling his ear in and it's just oh it, and 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 he and they, the way that the the screen cuts out like at his cum gutters like it, he is completely <laughs> naked there i paused that <laughs> twice today <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm so happy to have you co-hosting with me, Philip. You understand me. I'm just, I'm really thirsty, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Angela, did I just cut you off? I'm sorry. No, I was just, I didn't know if we had gotten to the part where she goes down on him while he's trying to kick her out. Because <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because that was great to me. And I definitely wrote that down because he was like, he said, get dressed because I can't have all of you. I'd rather, hey, that's cheating. And he should literally give me a and she's not there at all but like it was was absolutely what i knew what was going on i was like oh my god it's it's funny because that's how he recognizes buffy right like i think she starts to go down on him and that's when he's like buffy (laughs) (laughs) which is like really absurd but i love it grown up (laughs) um yeah, so now we're our, now now what the hell um, happens? I literally the spike <laughs> sex scenes are what like I think of the most for this episode. <laughs> okay, so so then uh, Buffy goes back to the house uh, and Dawn comes in and she has the ridiculous uh, unidentified flying pizza and and she's just like giddy, like it's almost like whatever molecular you know dissolution is happening is making her like loopy. Yeah, higher. Yeah. yeah, and and. So and she's like, oh, I'm invisible, and Dawn immediately gets angry. And basically, Dawn is this episode. Dawn has just reverted back to being a plot device. I think she is there yeah. to whine and to give Buffy something to worry about uh, with the social worker. But like, but that's it. Yeah, I do think it, it is very like watching it this time. Um, I thought about it differently now. Uh, so she she's Dawn's always whiny, but here <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're seeing her show a bunch of anxiety. She's she's I think in this episode more worried than Buffy is about it seems like what the outcome is going to be. She's kind of I feel like she feels like Buffy has kept Willow in this house. Buffy has you know gone off and done this. D- Buffy's not even here, and now Buffy's literally not even here. So you know who's worried about me and maybe that's just you know how i'm interpreting it but uh i don't know i kind of see why she's being like that right yeah that's that's, you're being you're being more thermal fair than i am (laughs) (laughs) well she's just funny it gets annoying after a while (laughs) she definitely was like aren't you how are you gonna fix this like are you concerned at all what are you doing about it like let's how are you gonna sister mom me if you're invisible like, <laughs> a social worker here get with it <laughs> like, and and buffy's like i'm just sucking dick and eating pizza i know the dream <laughs> oh god um yeah i sympathize with dawn a little bit because i do i, I mean this is this is where it gets complicated with the social worker right because dawn doesn't have a like uh, Buffy's not equipped to be a mom, understandably, because she's, you know, she's just came back to life. She, her mom died. Like she was thrown into all this. That's why I feel like, why didn't it feels like Willow or Xander or someone should have called Giles to be like, listen, I know you wanted to leave, but like, can you come back for a few more months? Like we need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> because really, when you think about it throughout you know, from the time she's introduced in season five to the end of the show, she never gets taken care of. Nobody ever does what they're supposed right. to do with her. She has to rise to the level of Buffy at the end of season six in order to survive on her own. And then season seven, she's like new dawn, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Nobody ever, nobody ever treated her, you know, the age she was. I mean, they treated her younger, but like nobody ever <laughs> took care of her. Um, and when we got Buffy and Willow and Xander at that age, they were like 20. Yeah. So they were like a little bit, and they felt a little older, even looking just at the show, like show wise, they were written more mature than Dawn was at that age. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they always felt like they could take care of themselves. And Dawn never really feels that way yeah. until like season seven. Yeah. I, I, I like Dawn so much more in season seven. Like, oh yeah. To come on and talk about Dawn in season seven. <laughs> Better fashion, better attitude, everything. Yes. Uh, it's funny that um, 
season seven is when they got a new um what would that be called? Uh person who picks all their outfits. What are words? Wardrobe. Wardrobe, yes. Wardrobe. Yeah, wardrobe, new wardrobe designer. Um, and I always feel like he immediately did a good job of dressing them a little bit more adult, all of them. But yeah, uh, so then the is this when they're in the arcade? Um, yeah. So then, well, first Willow goes to the trio's secret lab. She tracks them down. Oh, um, right. And so, so she sees all the plans for the invisibility ray. I, I did I, a nice little moment. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but she gets this little smile on her face when she's looking at all the plans. And it's like, oh, she's remembering, oh, I used to be a nerd and I used to be really into science. And it's like, <laughs> in, in another timeline willow could have been the sort of science geek who then goes on to be a supervillain instead of like a witch yeah i i I love that like oh god yeah she she kind of relates to all this and she knows what it all means which is how she's able to use the gun later on right um and then the 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 trio have turned themselves invisible so then they they kidnap her and they call buffy to uh, hold willow to ransom Oh, and, and Willow has already got as Buffy has already got the message now that she's fading away. Um, and then there's the showdown in the arcade, which is just so silly. It's so silly. Oh, I, love it. <laughs> I, I was watching and I was seeing like they they just film a wall, and we're supposed to know they're there. It's hilarious because I think it's Warren that's like uh, he says, "Let's go somewhere." less crowded over there and everybody says where because (laughs) (laughs) and it's just ridiculous and i think that's probably i think the invisible fight scene is the best fight scene ever anywhere (laughs) i don't know what has to say (laughs) (laughs) it's genius So I, we do also get, and I always think of this as like a, I love when Buffy says, so you three, what, banded together to be pains in my ass? Like, I think that's such a good line. I still remember that. It's one of those stick out lines. Yeah. Yeah. That. And then her, like the arch nemesis is. It's going to be on every, it's going to be on every previously on Buffy for the rest of the season, isn't it? <laughs> that's why it's yeah. like so, so familiar. <laughs> it's, it's like that. And Willow, you're using too much magic and Buffy singing that she was in heaven. It's like, that, that's the whole season. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. That she's like, Jonathan, Warren, and who are you? Like- <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they, like those jokes like throughout season six and seven because they just stuck Andrew in there and we're supposed to like pretend he went to high school with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which like I appreciate that they're like at least they're like aware about it and drawing attention to it. Um yeah, and so then we get I do like the scene of Buffy and Willow at the end sitting on the curb. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I mean, I say this all the time, but I think Sam Richard Geller and Allison Hannigan have really good friend chemistry. Yeah. And the like, the moments like this feel so like genuine. Like, I mean, for a show about a vampire slayer and a witch slash addict who was addicted to magic, it, it feels like a real friendship, right? It does. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like it's it's very like here are two 20 21 year olds sitting on the curb kind of reckoning with the terrible choices they've made and they're both trying to do better and that and they is, like care about each other yeah and that is like you know if you if you you know i mean I, i've seen those girls having that conversation on the curb it's normally at 2 a.m and they reek of vodka but you know <laughs> it's, it's, it's very it's a universal kind of thing um <laughs> Although I did love how like it wasn't too life affirming. It wasn't like we've learned our lesson. It was like, yeah, yeah this sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But you know what? Like we're going to do better tomorrow. And they're both like, yay. And it's the most downtrodden yay yeah. ever. And it's like, oh no, like the, the misery will continue. And then <laughs> yeah. it cuts to black and that's the end. Because I couldn't remember how this episode ended. And I was like, oh God, it ends on a real downer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I thought it ended with Buffy and the purple top. You know what, Zach? I thought that too. I forgot that that was, that's the end of the episode of Riley Comes. Yeah. Not this episode. Oh, yes. Yes. I I know exactly what you mean. So those moments between like, you know, Willow and Buffy and just, I love simple things like that throughout the entire series that just paint, really shows their friendship. Like when they were in the RV in season five, I loved it. And I could have seen a whole episode of them just making spam in the RV. I just like, I like seeing the friendship moments um, and just taking a moment to do that. And I also feel like the end of this episode was very tired. They were kind of just pushing to the end, but I'm glad they stuck that at the end instead of just yeah. something setting up the next episode, you know? Yeah. Very real for, for 
such a fantastical show those moments are are real and it keeps you locked in and keeps it relatable and and right angela that's why you bring those dvds of the big brother house (laughs) (laughs) oh before okay (laughs) i would try to talk about buffy all them kids were they were like a good 10 years younger than me and didn't know what the heck i was talking about (laughs) there was no one there Nobody it's me, <laughs> me all the time, Angela. Um, yeah, I guess we're at the end now. Um, Zach, would you like to tell us your favorite scene? Uh, Buffy messing with Doris, <laughs> making her making her go crazy. I like that. I think. <laughs> all right. I used to think of the episode sort of like just a filler episode. I see now it's more transitional episode, but it's still yeah. a little bit boring to me. It's not my favorite. I would skip it most times yeah uh, so i think i think that one because it's pretty funny okay uh angela well i think it's a tie-up between you know her uh having the sex the invisible sex (laughs) i think that was i just love it i'll probably watch it again later um and and also the invisible fight scene i'm sorry i think it's (laughs) you can imagine invisible people fighting and you can imagine it's just it's just so it's so campy and just hilarious. Like, hear <laughs> the. I, I think it's funny. I, I really <laughs> it's when Jonathan says, "Who's biting my leg?" and uh, Andrew's like, "Oh, it's me. Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philip, what's your favorite scene? So my favorite scene is also the scene with all the sex. Um, it's just the gag with an invisible Buffy nibbling his ear is so very funny. And I think it's probably one of the the special effects on the show that will never date because it's just a piece of string. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I think my favorite scene is like the end in... The, like, I would just say the arcade scene in general. I just really like all that because I like the like, oh, you band together, be a pain in my ass. I like all that. I like the arch nemesis thing. I always like forget how to actually say that word sometimes because I think of how Buffy says it. Um, Because then there's the callback to it in season seven. She's like, oh, I didn't know how to say that word. Uh, Favorite outfit, Angela? Um, Well... Before Buffy went invisible, <laughs> I really liked the the see through black top with the black bra. I thought it was really cute with some jeans. Okay. I I thought that was a a cute and sexy and kind of even though you know she's a vampire slayer, sometimes she's dark, sometimes she's more girly. I think it led to foreshadowing of like some hot sex. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, uh, Philip. Uh, I agree. I like you. You can see someone wearing that to a dick appointment. Um, yeah. I, I also, I also have as my favorite favorite outfit the uh, the sheer black top with the bra, but also um, like the brown suede jacket that she wears over the top uh, later on is peak two thousand and two. I think I owned one just like it, so I'm going to say <laughs> the, the outfit at the end with the jacket. <laughs> uh, Zach. Well, we've got three for the sheer top with the bra. Uh, <laughs> that was just good all the way around. Somebody needs to find that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Angela, get on that outfit because I think it'd look great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I mean, you all might have convinced me that that's cute. I don't think I really noticed that because like, she only wears it very briefly before she turns invisible. Um yeah, I now I feel now I want to say that one, but I put uh, Willow's like weird caftan with what? the jeans that she's wearing at the end, oh, whatever that so, is. It's so ugly. I know it is, but I like it. It's, 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 it's so Willow as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're going to grade the episode. Um, Angela, what grade do you give the episode? I I mean, it's at least, you know, this, this sex does it for me. I'm going to give it a nine. <laughs> yes invisible sex i mean ever <laughs> angela i appreciate that we're on the same page um <laughs> zach what grade do you give the episode invisible sex is great but i'm gonna give the episode a b minus okay all right uh philip uh yeah i'm gonna give it a b minus too there's, there's some good comedy moments um it pushes the plot with the trio forward a bit the sex is like so good 
Um, but but ultimately, um, like like Zach said, it it's kind of a it's not every episode I think about revisiting. It's not an, and it's not even an episode I think about very much when I think about season six. It's just smashed, wrecked, gone. It kind of bleeds into all of those. Right. So yeah, but B, B minus for me. All right, I agree. I agree. I agree with what everyone said, and I'm the harshest grader. I was last episode too. I give it a C plus because I think this slump in season six is like a really bad slump. Yeah. Um, I think it needed like more Anya or something like more like moments that were like funnier. It was very tired. To like, yeah, to like counteract the like, oh, this is all terrible. Um, and we almost got there with the invisible gags, but um, all right. Yeah. Thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Philip, for co-hosting with me. And thank you all for listening. If you want to find Slayer Fest 98, we are on Patreon, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and we are at SlayerFestX98 on all social media platforms. And if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, it really helps with keeping the podcast afloat and getting everything done. If you want to find me, I am at IanXCarlos on all social platforms as well. Um, Philip, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L and Ellis with two. Zach, where can everyone find you? Pornhub.com slash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me all social media pretty much like Adventures of Zach and B. Go forward. Cool. Angela, where can everyone find you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at uh, Mrs. Under, that's MRS underscore A Rockstar. I'm on IG, Instagram at uh, Angela MFN Rockstar, like my fun neighbor. Uh, <laughs> TV co show every Monday night at 9 p.m. That's an app downloadable, downloadable to your phone. I'd love for everybody to join me. We talk a lot yeah. about Big Brother. I'd like to transition to talking about Buffy and Cooler Kids. Yeah. But <laughs> let me know. Let me know if you ever need a guest to come talk about Buffy with you. Absolutely. I would love it. And thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. All right, cool. Um, we'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 Oh, guys.